We're going to get started in just a minute. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. This is what I use for my podcast, and it is fantastic. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today to the March or Die podcast. Again, so glad to have you watching if you're watching, listening if you are just listening. For those of you that are watching the live stream, thank you for doing that. If you have a chance, why don't you share that out? Include someone else. I think today's topic is one that we all need to hear, we all need to talk about, and we all need to understand. March or Die podcast, of course, is the place where we talk every week about how to move forward when it seems like our world is falling apart. How to move forward when it seems like our world is falling apart. I have said many times before that I believe in uh, the world that we live in. There are those who are alive. They are pursuing the purpose for which they were created. They're doing the thing that God has given them to do. They're moving forward in a positive, meaningful way. And then there are those who, in a physical sense, may be living, but emotionally, relationally, spiritually, they're dead. They're stuck. The battles of life, the unexpected traumas and difficulties, whatever, it's come their way. They find themselves in a battle, and they've decided that it is easier to just stay where you are, to hang on, again, in a figurative sense, to just give up and die than it is to move forward. And we talk about this all the time. We'll talk about this again today. But in life, we really only have two choices. The battles will come. The difficulties will come. That will happen. And when they do, we only have two choices. We can march, moving forward one step at a time, or we can stay where we are and die. I've talked about this on several podcast episodes. You can go back and listen to some of those if you'd like to. But we're going to talk about that from a, a little bit of a different angle today. Uh, here's the angle, and here's what I'd like to talk about today. When you're in the battles of life, when you're fighting the battle, when you're fighting the fight, when you've made the decision to move forward and you're doing your best to make that happen, one thing you have to do is remain humble. We must be humble. <clears throat> now, what's interesting is humility is not a popular topic. Humility is not something that we like to talk about. It's not something that uh, we like to exercise in our lives. In fact, we live in a culture that projects this idea that to be weak, to be humble, to be anything other than the guy leaning forward or the girl leaning forward, the one trying to make it all happen, to be anything other than that is unacceptable. And I'll tell you this, there are many people who find themselves in the battles of life 
And because they are unwilling to be humble, because they're unwilling to step back, get a a wider view of the world around them and the battles that they're experiencing, the stuff that they're going through, uh, because of an unwillingness to look at themselves and ask, where are their deficiencies? Where are those areas I need help? Because they are not humble, they fail. I'll tell you this. I come from a military background. Uh, Again, for those of you that follow along that know me, I served in the United States Marine Corps. I now uh, am the director for a veterans nonprofit. That's what I do in my professional life. So many veterans, so many men and women who have served in the military, and particularly those who have served in combat, have endured traumas because of their service, But because somewhere along the way, they learned that they have to wear a mask, that they have to pretend like everything is okay, that they have to lean forward all of the time, they never get the help they need to deal with whatever it is that's happened in their lives. And because of that, they lose. (laughs) Again, this may not be a physical death that they experience. And some, again, in the veteran community, we, we know that more than 20 veterans a day take their lives. Almost four active duty service members a day take their lives. Why is that? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. But I'll tell you, in my experience, one of the reasons people get to the point where they just throw in the towel and say, I can't do it anymore, is because for so long they put themselves on an island where they won't find or accept help. There is a lack of humility. On the other side, there are many, again, who just in a kind of a a figurative sense have died. They've given up. They're still breathing. They're still functioning. But in in a very real way, they've given up. They've died. Their relationships are dead. Uh, Their purpose, their value, the things that uh, motivate them and move them forward, they're no longer present. So often when that's the case, it's because there is a lack of humility. Because, again, they've placed themselves on an island and they've said, I don't need help. I don't want to talk about what I've struggled with, what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through. I just need to plow through like I did when I was in the military. And that idea of hiding behind a mask or hiding behind a wall or whatever metaphor you want to use is one that will absolutely destroy you. And yet here we are. Now, this is true of not just people in the military, but just people generally. None of us likes to humble ourselves. We think of humility as something that is weak. Humility is an interesting thing. We talk about this in uh, maybe a religious sense. We talk about this in you know, so many different uh, areas of life. Humility really is not, and it's been said this way, thinking less of yourself. To be humble doesn't mean you look at yourself and say, I am worthless, I have no value, I have nothing to add or contribute. That's not humility. <laughs> uh, that's negative self-talk. Humility is when you realize that the world does not revolve around you, but that you are a very important part of the world and you need to contribute. That's what humility is. Humility is, in the context we're talking about right now, is understanding that the battle you're fighting does not just impact you. That there are a lot of people who will be impacted by the battles of life that you happen to be fighting right now. That there's more at stake than how you feel or what you think or what other people think about you. There's a lot going on and you need to participate. You need to live. You need to march, even though it may be easier to die, because there's a lot at stake. And it's not just you. We must be humble. Every week I like to tell a story of someone who, in my mind, 
demonstrates the, the principle or the characteristic that we're talking about. Uh, sometimes I use military examples. Last week we talked about Chesty Puller, that great Marine. <laughs> um, we've talked about others. We've talked about presidents. We've talked about some other folks. Today, a, a bit of a different story, perhaps, and maybe one if you haven't been around church a lot, you're not familiar with. There's a man by the name of William Tyndale. You have to go back several hundred years. In fact, William Tyndale died October 6th, 1563. He was an English scholar. He was a teacher. He was an educator, but he was a very religious man. In fact, at the time, he would have been called pious, simply meaning he did what he did. He taught, he learned, he educated for the purpose of bettering the kingdom of God. He was around at a very interesting period of history. He served kings and was persecuted by kings. Again, a very interesting time. One of the things that he is most well known for is translating the Bible into English. At the time that William Tyndale lived, it was believed that only the church and scholars within the church had the right and the ability to translate the Bible and then to tell people what the Bible said. In fact, it was not uncommon during the days of William Tyndale for a church to have one Bible and for that Bible to be chained to the front of the church so that people couldn't take it. Wouldn't have mattered if they had because most of the time it was written or translated into Latin or some other language that common people did not understand. William Tyndale believed that the Bible is something that should be read by everyone, that it was God's message, God's letter to mankind, not just the educated few. This was revolutionary at the time, of course. William Tyndale translated the Bible into English, and for that he was persecuted in in many different places. For a number of years he had to hide, he was on the run. His manuscripts, which were incomplete, had to be hidden and transferred and moved around. Eventually they would be found and destroyed, but not before other copies were made. This was the life of William Tyndale. In all of that, though, he was a respected scholar and caught the attention of many well-to-do people. One of those was Henry VIII. You're familiar with Henry VIII, King Henry VIII of England. Henry VIII took William Tyndale into his care and he protected him. Again, other kingdoms and other people and even the church was going after him for translating the Bible and for some of the things that he said. But Henry VIII had a fondness for him. He brought him into his care and made it his purpose to protect the life of William Tyndale. Now, this is a pretty good situation. Again, Tyndale had been on the run. He hid. He, he, he did his best to not have his life taken from him. And now he had a king who was capable of taking care of him promise to take care of him. That's the backdrop. <laughs> what happens next is crazy. He was in a very secure place. He could have done just about anything that he wanted to do. The one thing he could not do was speak out publicly against the king. King Henry VIII was an immoral person. He did things that clearly violated scriptural mandate and scriptural principles. William Tyndale, understanding that his purpose on earth was to serve God first and to serve others second, understood that as a scholar of the Bible and one who had translated the Bible and a preacher of the gospel, that he could not simply allow what Henry VIII was doing to go uncontested. And so he did. He contested. (laughs) Henry VIII eventually would have William Tyndale killed. He didn't have him killed because he translated the Bible. He had him killed because he opposed 
the actions, the acts, the immoral lifestyle that Henry VIII was living. This is very important. Now, I'm not saying that if you are a humble person, you will eventually have your life taken from you. That's what happened for William Tyndale. What I'm saying is this. William Tyndale was a man who had been in the fight for a long time. He was finally on the other side of the fight, and yet understanding that the world did not revolve around him, that his purpose was bigger than simply finding a place of safety, he did what he believed God wanted him to do. William Tyndale was a strong man. He was a a fearless man in many ways. He did what no one up to that point had done. To be humble doesn't mean to be weak. It means to bridle the strength that God has given you and focus it in the right direction. Again, understanding that the world does not revolve around you, that's exactly how William Tyndale lived. And because of his opposition to the king, he was executed by strangulation on October 6th, 1563. After he was strangu- uh, strangled, <laughs> strangulated, after he was strangled, William or Henry VIII rather hated him so much that he then had his body burned at the stake. <clears throat> strangled and burned. The last words of William Tyndale were this, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. What a statement. He didn't say, Lord, protect me. He didn't say, I'm sorry for what I've done. He didn't say, please don't be so hard on me or help me to find a way out of this. His last words were not words for deliverance, but words of humility to God, acknowledging, God, your plan is bigger. (laughs) And the most important thing that could happen in all of this is that the king of England would have his eyes opened to the truth. I was thinking about humility, and then this story that I'm very familiar with came to mind. And man, what an act of courage, what an act of strength, and what an act of humility. If we're going to win the battles of life, we must be humble. You could hear that story and say, well, he didn't win the battle. This is another problem that we have. So often to us, winning the battle means arriving at some preconceived conclusion. We believe that winning looks like this. William Tyndale is a man that since he lived and died, generations of Christians have talked about, have learned from, have followed. Many reading the manuscripts that he wrote, that he translated into English, have followed Christ. His legacy has lived for generations and will because he understood his purpose He found himself in a fight. He humbled himself and fulfilled the path that God placed him on the earth to walk. What an incredible story. If we're going to win the battles of life, if we're going to come out on the other side in a meaningful way, if we're going to march when it would be easier just to quit, just to die, I mean, Tyndale, he could have given up. He could have just said, I'm comfortable here. I don't need to move. That would have been death for him. He didn't do it. He marched. We must, if we're going to win, be humble. You see, humility gives you the right perspective. When you're willing to humble yourself, you can ask a question like this, why am I doing this? (laughs) Am I doing this for me? Because someone has wronged me? Because someone has hurt me? Because I need to survive? Because I need to get by? Because my pride has been injured? What is it? Am I doing this for me? Or is there some larger purpose? Am I doing this because it must be done? 
only with a humble heart and a humble attitude can we advance with the right perspective. It also reinforces our purpose. You see, humility serves as a clarifier. Sometimes with pride and sometimes with uh, the emotion of the moment, we move forward without thinking. Humility allows us to step back and get the right perspective and not only ask, why am I doing this? But it reinforces the purpose for which we were placed on this earth. Again, using the example of Tyndale, he understood why he was placed on this earth, but only through the eyes of humility was he able to see that clearly and act on that. Even in his death, he understood why it was he had lived and why it was he was dying and what it was God wanted to do with him. Humility. It reinforces our purpose. It serves as a clarifier. And humility puts you in the position, puts me in the position to win because we are honest about ourselves and we're honest about our need for help. Humility puts you in the position to win. Why? Because if you're not humble, you're only as good as you are. But when you humble yourself, it puts you in the position to win because you can say, I've got deficiencies here, I need help here, I'm struggling here. And you look outside of yourself for those who can help you. You will not win the battles of life alone, and you will only reach out for help if you're humble enough to acknowledge, I can't do this by myself. In order to win, we must be humble. A very simple lesson, but one that, at least in my life, has to be learned over and over and over and over again. We must be humble. Why? Well, because in life, when the battle comes and the bullets are flying our direction, and the explosions are happening around us, we only have two choices. And to make the right one, we must be humble. Those two choices are to march, putting one foot in front of the other, or stay where we are and die. Thankfully, the choice, the decision, the path is up to you. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.